You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Welcome to the Torch Pesach Special. This is something that I was wanting the rabbis to do for me, and I know all of you are probably really trying to figure out how to make your Pesach especially meaningful. I know right now for me, Pesach is something that I very much need. I sort of see like at this time of the year, there is a, I start to get into a rut is everything sort of becomes going through the motions. I don't know about you guys, that's part of it, but it seems like I'm sort of running out of jet fuel and Pesach in the middle of the year is what gets me through to Rosh Hashanah. And I assume that's why it's structured the way it is. Um, so I asked the rabbis to come on and teach me everything I need to know about Pesach in between an hour, an hour and a half. Can you guys do that for us? 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So not standing on one foot though. Okay, <laughs> I can clear that mark. So, um, I want to start with, with big picture. Um, you know, I sort of, I think hinted at a little bit from my perspective, what Pesach means to us and why it's there. Um, I'm going to throw out some questions and you guys just sort of jump in. Whoever grabs the question first, run with it. But share with the audience and me, what is Pesach about? Why did God, you know, give us the special holiday? Obviously, it's tied into the history and the origin and the birth of the Jewish people. But if we could start with just sort of the big picture, I think we would all benefit from that. I love it. I love it. So uh, there's going to be some awesome discussion tonight um, and we are going to explore great ideas I think at the core of all of them are gonna is gonna be the idea that Pesach is about thinking big so it's about getting out of that rut right whatever that rut may be it's about getting out of that small-mindedness that pessimism looking at every day as just another, Right. And going to find the renewal and find the freshness in every experience that we have. And so Pesach is like jump-starting that by saying, this is the same Haggadah that I read last year. And it's the same story that my father told me and his father told him. There's something the same about it, but it's about looking inside of that same experience and finding fresh, new ideas, new approaches I think that kind of frames what we hope to accomplish tonight altogether is to come with these new approaches to enable us to really access a whole different way of thinking. So, yeah, so the, the familiarity really draws you in. But one other thing to note is that we actually see the story through the eyes of children for most of the night, if not all the night, right? We try to evoke the questions from them. We try to get um, some sort of confusion on their minds, get them a little bemused and befuddled by what's going on. A lot of different things are happening that don't normally happen on a regular given night. And when these kids are confused, we start to sense that confusion ourselves. The same questions, the same um, existential befuddlement with life. And what do we do with ourselves? And what are we doing as Jews? We, We draw some of that in. And the idea is to address that. The idea is that this night will hopefully give us some some form of resolution and then elevation from that from that point. Excellent. Do you want to add something? Sure. I mean, on that point, which is a great point, we what we have on the night of Pesach is Seder. 
And the word Seder means order. And what's very interesting is that there's a saying in the Talmud, it says, Ein Seder le Mishnah. There's no order to the Mishnah, which is a little bit counterintuitive because Torah study, which is primarily logical and rational, you would think it would be very structured. Very linear. Exactly. Yeah. But for that, which is intuitive that it should be like that, that we have to understand that intrinsically there's no order to that. It's all coming from Hashem. It's all in an ethereal realm that we're, we can't truly relate to. We have to be aware of that on that level. And juxtaposed to that, we have the experience of Pesach, which at the time when it actually happened, if you read about it, it was totally chaotic. It was a, just a mass jumble of, of craziness. We didn't know exactly when we were going to leave. And then all of a sudden, on a, on a dime, we have to, everyone runs out. The whole thing's chaotic. Right. And it's specifically there. We make order out of the chaos. So like Rabbi Ephraim was saying, that you know, we, we come with all of our confusion and we organize it together. We make order out of it. We make a Seder so that we can relate to Hashem in that way as well. What's interesting, it starts with familiarity and order. Becomes chaotic in the middle, and then you know we find that resolution at the end. That's cool. And that's the story of the Jewish people, isn't it? Yeah. And what God wants to, to explain is that there seems like there's confusion and craziness in the world, but in the end, He's sort of guiding everything, and He'll He'll bring order to it in the end. That's the real metaphor of tonight's broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to add one more thing though, because yes. Rabbi Wolgalanter said a great word: jumpstart. And when you gave your introduction you phrased it that Pesach sort of in the middle of the year. And in terms of the calendar, that's true, right? Because we start with Rosh Hashanah. That's the beginning of the calendar year. Right. And right here, we're smack dab in the middle. But actually, in terms of the holidays, Pesach is considered the first. We're starting off the whole cycle here. And Pesach is the holiday of infatuation. Well, okay. Maybe that is a lot of some people come to me and they would start a relationship. And they're not sure, is it infatuation or is it love? And the answer is, it's infatuation. There's no question because love needs to be built. It is a product of giving of yourself and working towards something, giving over. It doesn't just happen. But what we have is infatuation, which is a gift that's given to us that feels just like love. Because if we knew the work that was required to truly build love, we would never have the, the impetus, the wherewithal to, to actually do the work to achieve it. We have to feel what it's like at first. That's a totally free gift. That's what infatuation is. And that's what Pesach is this night, this jumpstart where we get these fresh new ideas, where we feel this redemption, this expansion of consciousness, where we're totally lift to a new level and experience God on a whole new level that we didn't earn, we didn't work for. Okay. And we experience that this night and it gives us that, that infatuation with God, with, with a, a level of spirituality that we didn't know that we had any ability of achieving. So you're saying that throughout throughout history, starting with the actual exodus from Egypt and the giving of Torah, Mount Sinai, that it it's and throughout our year, it's starting with making our relationship with God experiential. And then the rest of the year it's now fighting to make it and putting in so that's it's it's real love between us and, and God. Is that sort that, of the idea? Exactly. And that's what happened right after Pesach, those forty nine days, which is uh, a period of building. It's during that period that we built the relationship back up and then earned it, and that's Shavuot when we received the Torah, right? But this is the that first night of, of that infatuation. So the, what I was thinking before we, dis we started discussing the uh, jumpstart and the others, that this, this year, uh, Pesach is preceded by Shabbos. So we go straight from Shabbos into Pesach. 
So the way I see Pesach is a rocket ship in our in our spiritual connection to God through the experience of everything that happened to the Jewish people. But Shabbos is a weekly rocket booster. Right. And typically what we have on a regular week is we have that rocket booster, we get elevated on Shabbos, and then we have the week there. We're trying to keep that holiness and spirituality from Shabbos, you know, influencing our full week. And then hopefully the next week get that infusion again. But now we're like a super booster launcher where we have these rocket boosters of Shabbos. And then we have this spaceship that's, you know, taking us so high with Pesach right after the Shabbos. And I think it's really a special occasion. It's not it's not common that we have a Shabbos just following, uh, uh, preceding uh, a Pesach. And I, I think it's a great opportunity for us to really stop and reflect like the awesomeness of this coming Pesach. I mean, it, it's happened many times before in our lifetime, but to really take it to, to, you know, we elevate that soul on Shabbos and now take it to a whole new level. Now, my grandfather would always say that Pesach is a time of out of the ordinary. Typically, ordinary, healthy people grow one step at a time. Pesach is a time where the Jewish people grew leaps and bounds in a moment. And that's something which is not ordinary, but we can't just get there because we show up at a Seder table and eat matzo balls. We have to, we have, the only way to get there is to prepare ourselves and to become spiritually in tuned to what these days are. These are days of unbelievable connection. And it's the same time period that the Exodus of Egypt occurred 3,300 years ago. So that same revelation, that same clarity, that same uh, redemption we're able to get right now in our at our seders, respectively. And every person should try to feel that bondage, whatever the bondage is. It could be the bondage of our technology. It could be the bondage of our, uh, you know, drive for 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 um, you know for materialism and things like that. That we can just break loose of it and open up a whole new world of connection to the Almighty without those barriers. Egypt was one big barrier of the Jewish people being able to connect. They were slaves to people instead of being slaves to God, and God needed to pull them out of that. Today, we're slaves to many things. We're slaves to career. We're slaves to money. We're slaves to, to a lot of things. And this is a time for us to break apart those barriers to be able to rocket ship our connection with the Almighty. Beautiful. So let's talk about the preparation. Everything, because I'm, I'm hosting a Seder this year, you know, we're in a community. There's a lot to learn. Sean is learning uh, nonstop. But for for all of us, what do we mean to be doing in preparation of that, especially considering I think a lot of this has to be done before, really, I guess all has to be done before Shabbos. So sort of lay out sort of a timeline, what we need to be thinking about, what we need to be doing uh, before the Shabbos, before Pesach. So I'll just start this round. I, I finished last round last. Also, just for one second, because I just want to get it all out and let everyone, I want to hear what they have to say. So uh, so today, for example, before I came here today, this afternoon, um, I spent a few hours in the morning cleaning, like literally cleaning, right? I was cleaning off shelves and putting away foods that we're not going to need for the next couple of weeks because they're not kosher for Passover foods um, and putting them away in an area, cleaning up all of, all of like, cleaning the nooks and crannies of our house. So from a very technical standpoint, right now, what we're doing is preparing spiritually in this in this forum, but we're also 
uh, preparing physically, getting rid of the chametz in our house, getting rid of all of the the uh, leavened foods like the uh, you know the breads and the crackers and the you know cookies, getting rid of all of those things, um, preparing our homes to be ready to have a Pesach in the home, right? So having a sign, and my wife and I, every year is a different experiment of which cabinets are going to be the Pesach cabinets, or which Pesach, where, where we're going to put all the, so right now we already have a groove. It's been many years since, we, uh, since we've been uh, doing our own Pesach and not going to my in-laws or parents for Pesach. So it, from a very practical standpoint, it really is preparing our homes, cleaning our bedrooms, making sure that like, thank God I have a bunch of little kids as as do some of you right and and kids like to take their stuff with them so sometimes you check their pants and they have crackers or they have wafers or they have you know a, a bag of their cookies from their in their knapsack these are things you got to you got to look through everything and ensure so again i'm trying to talk from a practical standpoint yeah, it's preparing for sure. our home it becomes a different home for pesach a friend of mine in jerusalem is a true story he had little kids he found cleaning for Pesach. He opened up the tank of the toilet. There was a whole sandwich sitting in the tank. You're not obligated to check there. Storing for later. If you have kids like that, maybe you are. Wow. Nice smart kids. Yeah. Who think you check there? Yeah, but Rai, what we are saying is, is, is in general, we have to clean out the house from chametz. Is your number one practical thing. Um, that's that's identifying where the chametz is going to remain over Pesach and then closing off that area so as to make sure that no one makes a mistake because out of habit we go to the snack drawer so the snack drawer better not be accessible or better not have chametz in it and then cleaning in general around the house because as you know unless we have strict rules about eating only in the kitchen um, which but, we do but who listens to the rules? Yeah, right, rules, <laughs> Don't are, forget. rules are meant to be broken so um, so yeah, so cleaning out the chametz and preparing for a week where we're eating only matzah and kosher for Passover, which is essentially unleavened products. Um, preparing for that week to take some thought and preparation to make sure you have the supplies necessary uh, to get through that week. Besides for cooking for the seders and, uh, and the holiday meals, the yantif meals, the Shabbos meals. Um, Besides for doing that preparation, it's cleaning out the, the chametz. Now, yeah. for, for those listening to that may have not gone through this experience of cleaning out the chametz, they had a seder but didn't do that, is the eating matzah that is, you know, directly sourced from the, the Torah, right? Now, obviously, it doesn't want us to digest anything, but there's obviously, where does it come up of making sure we don't have ownership to it anywhere? Is that in the Torah or is yeah, that something... Well, yeah, actually, because the verse explicitly states that you're supposed to eat the carbon Pesach only on matzah and on mar. So the, they derive from that that you're not even allowed to have possession of chametz. Right. So we shouldn't even see non-Passover food. But the, there's something... There's that something... belongs to us. Okay. So what we do is, and it's not a loophole and it's not a game. So folks, okay, what we do is we sell our chametz. So if you have, you know boxes of cereal cheerios clearly chametz okay this is like so you know you can either burn it or you can sell it and selling does not mean that we're just putting that it belongs to joe schmo the non-jew the gentile who who uh now owns this but it really is theirs they can come into your house and open up those cabinets and eat it because they as non-jews 
have full possession and ownership rights. They'll have to pay to, you. They'll have to pay you they'll for have to it pay, if yeah. they, they decide to enjoy it. But well, well, but but it's theirs. But it's theirs. It's theirs. They have the right. rights to. Now that doesn't mean you can't go to a store and see non-kosher food, non-kosher for Passover food, right? That's not a problem. It doesn't belong to you. The idea is that your possessions shouldn't have in it a non-kosher for Passover food. But the Every mitzvah is, what I've been taught from all of you, is it's a way of connecting to the Almighty. Boom. So why does, uh, how do we take this mitzvah of cleaning, you know, all the crumbs out from our home Seems and drawers? Seems pretty mundane. Yeah. Right. How do we use that? How, why did God give that to us as a way to connect to him? I'll answer this one. As we were saying before, Pesach is a time, you, you can't prepare for Pesach. You can't, meaning you can't build up spiritually to the, have the experience of Pesach. The only thing you can do is to passively make yourself into a vessel which is capable of receiving that when it comes. Okay. And the way we do that is by cleaning out all of the things which would be a blockade between us and being able to experience that level of revelation of God, that spirituality. And specifically, we clean that out. We, we remove that blockade with its chametz. Now, what chametz is, is when any sort of grain product starts to ferment, there's an expansion. And that expansion, that chametz that occurs, is representative of the very insubstantial, um, vast, it looks very vast, but it's an illusion, this physicality that, that seems very real and it seems very substantial, but it's not. It's just fluff. It's just expansion. Like when you put your hand on the top of the rising dough, right? And it just exactly just flattens right back out, right? So that that we get rid of. We get rid of all of the notions we have of of greatness in this world and, and all of our uh, haughtiness and everything like that that's represented by that chametz. We clean it all out of ourselves because the only way to connect to inner spiritual things is you first connect through the external and then you experience it internally. So externally, we do all the actions, we go through the motions, we really clean, we exert the effort and get rid of all of the things which represent that haughtiness, that connection to the, the insubstantial illusion of physicality. And then there's a specific commandment to actually destroy it. And there's a discussion of like how specifically you're supposed to destroy it. It's not so, it's not simply just um, obliterating it. There are certain ways to do it. And those ways are maybe more conducive to eliminating that element of your life. So is there something we're supposed to be contemplating uh, during this mitzvah? So actually, when I was cleaning this morning, I was like, you know, I always say this every year, is that you have to look in the nook and crannies of your soul and find out those little, you know, those little cracks and crevices of your soul. Or, you know, what are the hidden uh, motivations that are perhaps uh, impure? Uh, what are the, you know... And thinking about those while I'm cleaning. That's what I, was, I started. I started contemplating. I'm like, you know what? I think I should actually do this. Like, you know, go through not only talk about it, but actually, you know, like, like let's let's get into this. Like, I was you know, say it's a great way to pass the time while you're cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot it's to like, think about. It's like, it's yeah, great. I'm like, I'm, I'm cleaning the shelves and getting all the crumbs out, and like, like, you know what? The crumbs in our own heart of arrogance. You know, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned that the the matzah is called lechem oni the bread of the impoverished, right? There's no arrogance there, right? You don't invite over your your best friends and say, here, matzah. It's like, <laughs> that's not what you, you know, it'll be a nice, a nice baked bread. It'll be, you know, it'll be something which is much more flowery. The idea is, is like, like Rabbi Busco saying is that the, 
the idea here is let's get real. Pesach is let's get real. Let's not have all of the other distractions. And let's see who we really are. Who is the Almighty? And we, like, like uh, whoever mentioned here about the children, right? That we bring out, you, you said this beautifully, yeah. right? That we, we want to ask the questions from the pure and, you know, the unfiltered, when children, I, I, I always think that it's a terrible idea for schools to prepare the children for Pesach. How so? That's very novel. <laughs> no, because the kids come and they're asking questions that the rabbi told them to ask. No, let them come to the Seder and see the father dress up in a white overcoat and then say, what's the deal with that? Right? And not know anything about it. And then ask the question. Instead, they're being prepped. Oh, why do you wear a white, a white overcoat? So that we should ask the question. So we're not going to ask the question because we already know what, you understand what, what's going on? Right. So, so we shouldn't, I don't think we should tell them anything. They should think it's a regular Shabbos dinner. Should be and genuine, they come there. Genuine curiosity. Yeah. And like, what's going on here? Instead, they're coming ho home from school with all of these projects <laughs> that are clearly defining to them exactly what they're supposed to be doing. So they don't want to do it. You should have that for the adults, not for the kids, basically. Right. I, I right. think we alluded to it before, but I think it's like it's like super important to mention. Everything we do uh, for the kids, it's for the kid inside of us also. Right. Right. And we have to like tap into that kid inside of us. Like go back to that time when like everything was fresh and exciting and new. And there was you weren't jaded at all. Right. You had never experienced this before. Like you watch your kids come home and show you what they drew. Right. About the 10 plagues. And their eyes are like wide. And they're telling you. And then the river, it turned into blood. And they're like blown away from the story. Right. Right. Like we have to tap into that. Like that's why we tell the story over and over and over again. But we have to find that in there. Find it in there. Be a kid. Be a kid. Ask the questions. Explore and experience once, you know, with the freshness. Yeah. You got to right. remember when we were in Egypt, we did experience it that way. We were completely blown away. <laughs> blown away. It was epic to us. So, you know, the Ten Commandments movie by Charlton Heston, everyone knows. I didn't know it till a few years ago. My students said, Rabbi, it's time for you to watch this. So I watched it. And, Did you fall asleep? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but although there were many inaccuracies, I think the one benefit is that it, you're able to see a vivid illustration of what it could have been. It was much grander. It was much more incredible. But you see the splitting of the sea and just that imagery of like, wow, the Jewish people passing through on, on dry land. And, and it, the miracles are just incredible. Right. And that is, is something for us to be able to bring that real that vividness to our children and to ourselves, the child within us, to really experience this like, wow, to be in awe of this incredible miracle. So I want to continue on this train of thought, but I do want to step back and ask a question. Uh, the white... Uh, Overcoat. Kittle. Yeah, what, what do you call it? Kittle. Kittle. Okay, I don't have one of those. I'll, I'll give you one. You have an ex a spare? Okay. No problem. Every so rabbi what? has like collections of kittles. <laughs> okay. It's like the he has a kittle closet, and then he has the soup closet. <laughs> he has a kittle closet. No so, soup closet, but I have a, kit a few kittles. So this is sort of like at Yom Kippur, right? right. The same yes. principle that we are trying to be like. Emphasize our innocence and our freshness. Okay, beautiful. Purity. Yeah, it's funny because just today, you know, we my, my cleaning lady knows uh, already being with us 15 years 
she knows the the whole thing. And it's the time April time. This is what this is what happens. This is usually when they quit. They tell you I can't <laughs> come anymore. No, no, she's just going for, to three weeks to El Salvador. But either way, exactly. So, like she knows this is the time I got to be out. Okay, that's when schedule your but, vacation for April. Exactly. So so uh, and have a couple of uh, women in the community go crazy because they don't have their their housekeeper. But either way, so I was thinking today to tell her what is this holiday. Because she knows she's been cleaning already all the rooms. She knows that the and she, by the way, this is an amazing thing. She's an amazing woman. But she told my wife, by the way, I cleaned these rooms. We were out of town. She says, I cleaned these rooms and you can't eat in there anymore. <laughs> she knows the rules. She knows. It's like no more food, right? We don't eat in there anyway. But either way, it's just a, a funny thing. But I was thinking, what would happen if I told her? Yeah, we're celebrating on Passover something that happened over 3,300 years ago, right? That right. there was a miracle that happened back then. She'd probably think we're crazy. And this is the most celebrated ho Jewish holiday among the entire Jewish people. Right? Not everyone observes Purim, sadly. Not everyone ob observes Hanukkah or Sukkot or Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. But Passover, the majority of Jews observe Passover. Right. And if you think about it, it's the craziest thing. We're celebrating something that happened 3,300 years ago because it's more than just what happened in the specific plagues, what happened with the, with, the, with the matzah, with all of the bitterness in Egypt. This is the building of a people. This is the bu building of a connection with the Almighty. And that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating who we are. Now, if we don't feel proud of who we are, we've got bigger problems. But that's what Pesach is. Pesach is a time to really just take it all in. We are the chosen people. And God did all of this for us. And I think that's the message our children need to leave the Seder with, is to know you are special. Right. Right. Just to circle back, you asked about the Kittel. Yes. I just I want to elaborate on that point just a little bit. Rabbi Abramson said that, uh, that it represents purity right? because it's all white. And it's true in Kabbalah. White is the is a color of purity. It's a color of mercy. But what white really is in in the spectrum of light, at least when all colors combine, they form white light. So right. white is a representation of of the culmination of everything. It's unity, and it's represented whenever we have a stage where we've completed something, and now we're we're making a transition where we've completed a stage of our life and we're moving on to something else. So that's when we wear this kittel. There are four main times where we wear a kittel on Yom Kippur, like we mentioned, when a an Ashkenazi man, for at least, wears a kittel when he gets married. Okay. Because then he's, he's ended a previous stage of his life and beginning something new, uh, becoming a new creation on Yom Kippur is because we, we leave our bodies, we completely identify as a soul, like a new creation, and upon death, when we finished our life here, and we move on to the next world. And also the night of Pesach, because again, Pesach is this time where we're making a transition from a state of lower consciousness to elevated consciousness, and we're being unlocked. So it represents that that uh, completion of a previous stage and moving on to something new. Okay. On that theme, it is the beginning of a new year because while we celebrate Rosh Hashanah in Tishrei, in the, um, approximately six months previous, that that Rosh Hashanah is only for the physical world that was created on that day. But on Pesach, really the month of Nisan, the entire month, we're celebrating the beginning of the spiritual uh, purpose of the world. The true 
reason that the world was created. So right. yes, you could talk about the the actual creation of all the physicality and all the materialism of the world. That's that's fine, and we do celebrate that day, and we and we try to elevate ourselves on that day as well. But there's also the the creation of the spiritual elements of the world, the purpose, the um, the creation of the Jewish people who will fulfill the purpose of the world during the month of Nisan, which is also the beginning of creation as well. So we do celebrate a new year then as well. And that's why it's the first month for all the months. That happens to be the first month. Tishrei is actually the seventh. But Nisan being the first month is because just like the month is a refreshing, it's a, it's a new uh, a renewal. Every single month is a renewal. The Jewish people are compared to the moon, which renews every month, because we always, we're always cognizant of that opportunity to renew ourselves. Right. That beginning, that beginning of the idea of renewal, his chadshus, which is the Hebrew word for renewal, which is also the Hebrew word chodesh. The beginning of the month is called chodesh because it shares the same root word, new. There's right. a new Hebrew word, Dan. His chadshus. Oh, we didn't. We never discussed. It. <laughs> yeah. But the say, idea. Say that again. His chadshus. Okay, I thought you the said making new okay. Okay. The, making, the making new of something, like okay. we renew it. Essentially means renewal. Okay. So this this month we're celebrating that that the beginning of renewal, which is also the beginning of something. So yeah, it's very appropriate that we were a kittel on that day, that transition as well. Amazing. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcast.com.